as I said, we're starting a new series. We're going to go through the book of Deuteronomy. And so this morning is kind of, I don't know, I, it's an introduction to, to introduce some of the major themes to you that we'll, we'll dive deeper into most of the things we're going to talk about. So maybe I'm just trying to get you excited for Deuteronomy and get you a little curious. Check out the Bible Project. They have two videos on Deuteronomy, and they pack so much in a video that you can go home and watch that again, and you'll be like, oh, I missed that the first time. There's a lot in there. But a lot of their, I mean, Deuteronomy is a big book, and a lot of their videos on larger books take a long time. It's just six minutes, and they run all the way through Deuteronomy, which I thought was fascinating. Um, and I thought it would work for a Sunday morning, so that's great. But I want to start by giving you some of the reasons why I'm excited to do Deuteronomy. Uh, the first is that I love to learn, and I love to preach through books that I don't know as well. And I don't know Deuteronomy as, I haven't been as in-depth in Deuteronomy. And, and one of the reasons why is because I've, I've probably been through four different Old Testament survey classes where a scholar is kind of teaching through the Old Testament. And what generally happens is that these first five books of the Bible, whether they're a unit or a semester, you always spend way too much time on Genesis. And so by the time you get to Deuteronomy, and I've talked to some of you NIU professors, I know you do this. You spend too much time up front, and you get to the end, and you have all this stuff you want to say, but you're out of time, and so you just have to give this quick overview. So most of my study of Deuteronomy has been a quick overview of the book, because we're always out of time. <laughs> and so I'm kind of excited to get a little bit deeper into it. It is interesting to think about, I mean, just because I, I mean, I've studied it a little bit on my own, but I've, I've kind of tried to get to a deeper level as I'm preparing to preach this. And it's fascinating, it's really only about three to four hours of the history of Israel, which I think is one of the reasons why you just zoom over it. I mean, Genesis is generations of story. Uh, Deuteronomy is just, I mean, people kind of debate three or four, but it's just sermons of Moses. I mean, it's just, you can read it, it's basically happening as is, it's just these sermons that Moses, so it's like three or four hours of the history of Israel in this book, in this Really, really important book. But as you're reading through the Bible, if you begin in Genesis, it starts and you're getting these big pictures and time just comes to a halt as you read Deuteronomy. Kind of, I think that's interesting. Second reason I'm excited to do Deuteronomy, this is what I, I, I knew uh, doing these Old Testament surveys, is Deuteronomy becomes a roadmap for the rest of the Old Testament. They, it was kind of alluded to in the video a little bit. Moses is basically going to foretell what is going to happen. And even as, as Joshua and Judges and Samuel and Kings and these historical books are going to be written, they're totally written out of the end of Deuteronomy. And they're constantly using language to refer back to these blessings and curses that Moses talks about. And why is Israel going to run into X all the trouble? Well, because God said this and you agreed and this is what happens. And so it, it becomes a roadmap. In fact, as the prophets then begin to step on the scene, they're going to be referring back to Deuteronomy over and over and over again. So it's a really important book in the Old Testament. Uh, if you've been around Crossview at all, or if you're new to Crossview, one thing that is true about us is we are serious about Jesus. <laughs> We're serious about Jesus. We get excited about Jesus. We sing about him. We pray to him. We just want to learn how to live. We want to receive life from Jesus. And so, of course, I want you to get a sense for the book of Deuteronomy, maybe in a way you haven't before. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about this. I want to kind of help with the Old Testament law, too, because I have found most people 
have an oversimplified understanding of the law, and I want to lean into that a little bit as a pastor. But first and foremost, above all, what we want to do is look for Jesus, listen for Jesus, and see Jesus as he's connected to the story of Moses in Deuteronomy. So I thought it was interesting that Jesus quotes Deuteronomy. If you read through the Gospels, we love the Gospels. If you're new to church, read a Gospel. Start in, don't start in Genesis or Deuteronomy. You can journey with us in Deuteronomy. Start in a Gospel, and you'll see Jesus quotes from Deuteronomy more than any other book of the Old Testament. That's just interesting, huh? I mean, it's even as I was looking into the places where Jesus is quoting Deuteronomy, sometimes it's even he's being challenged by teachers and they're quoting Deuteronomy to him. It's just Deuteronomy is a very important book is the point. It'll play out in his story much of, I mean, the rest of the Old Testament uh, really shows Israel's failure to keep the law as it's presented in Deuteronomy. And part of what Jesus does in his own wilderness temptations is succeed everywhere Israel fails. And as Satan challenges Jesus, he's going to quote from Deuteronomy. He's going to quote from Deuteronomy. It's not the only place, but he will. As I was listening, actually, I got a book, uh, kind of a seminary class on Audible uh, by Daniel Block. I mean, I'll, I'll reference a bunch of books as we go through this, especially when we get into the law. Uh, but he was talking about how Deuteronomy, I like this, is the gospel according to Moses. If you haven't spent much time in Deuteronomy, you're probably thinking a lot about the law because a lot of it is, the center chunk is the law. But as I was reading scholar after scholar, they want you to know how much grace flows through this book, the gospel according to Moses. In fact, Block went on to say that Deuteronomy is to the Old Testament what the gospel of John is to the New Testament. So again, if you're familiar, Matthew, Mark, and Luke wrote Uh, very similar kinds of Gospels. And John likely wrote his Gospel much later. He seemed to live longer. And so after much reflection, he writes a very theological account of the life of Jesus. Uh, Just leaning into the meaning, who Jesus is and what it means for God to tabernacle, to dwell among us, for the Word to become flesh. And now you have Moses, after 40 years of reflecting on what happened at Sinai, the leading out of Egypt, for 40 years, he's now at the end of his life, right? Spoiler alert. And and he is is going to now give these sermons. I mean, in some ways, again, if you're familiar with the Gospel of John, if if you think of what Jesus is doing in chapters 13 to 17, in preparing his disciples for his departure, Moses, in very, in very, very similar ways in Deuteronomy, is, is, is the final things he has to say to the next generation to prepare them for, for new life in the promised land. And then we'll probably, we'll probably get into this more, but I'm just going to say this now as it relates to Jesus. One of the things that Deuteronomy, it, it's, it's kind of gathering a people to become a nation. And kind of giving some structure. And so in, in beginning in chapter 16 and running through chapter 18, Moses is going to talk about judges. And you, you need a judges. And you need priests. And you need kings. And it's really interesting what he says about kings and the role that the law is to play with the kings. And then he's going to talk about prophets. And if you're going to read the Old Testament, I think, responsibly, you need to understand that the Old Testament really... It's, it's like it's having a conversation with itself. 
and you have all these different books written by different people, and you kind of get just a piece of the puzzle. Like each, each book has a voice, right? Deuteronomy, we're going to talk about listening and loving. Obedience is a major voice of Deuteronomy. We'll talk a lot about obedience as we go through this story. You're going to have a lot of different voices in the Old Testament, and none of them are fully complete because it doesn't all come together until God is revealed in Jesus. And then you have the New Testament authors are then like working with all these different voices and helping us see how it all comes together in Jesus. And so I would say, I mean, Moses is going to talk about a judge and a, and a priest and a king, but really Deuteronomy's big contribution is this longing for a prophet. I mean, it's kind of laid out there, but even the, the later prophets will talk about this prophet who will come, uh, again, pointing, preparing, getting us ready for Jesus. Uh, if you were paying attention to the video, uh, Deuteronomy has three movements or three, three sections, and so it's kind of how I'm going to walk through. I'm not going to go verse by verse preaching every chapter because it would take a long time, and I think this will probably get us to Lent. But what I am going to do is we'll start in chapters 1 to 11. I don't even know if I'll be fully chronological, but I'll stick in chapters 1 to 11, and we'll kind of get to see what's happening. There's some really important things in those first few chapters. And then we'll transition to chapters 12 to 26, and we'll, that'll be a little bit more teachy, but I, I think it'll be good and helpful. We want to lean into the law and kind of understand what the law is doing, how it's good, how it's weak and insufficient to accomplish fully what the Spirit will come to accomplish. So we'll kind of lean into that and see how the law even points us and prepares us for Jesus. And then we'll journey into the final section, which is this end where, you know, blessings and curse and choose. I mean, the, the end preaches, preaches really well. So as I said, I want us to walk away with a better understanding of this book, of the law, and then ultimately of Jesus. Let me say one more thing about the law. I wanted to say one thing just to kind of, I'm not going to solve anything. I just want to just help a little bit, and then, uh, and then we'll read the first five verses um, and kind of move on a little bit. But one of the things I've learned just as a Christian, as a student of the Bible, and now as a pastor, someone who's been to seminary, is that oftentimes we are really subject to the very first person who taught us a topic. Actually informed, one of the things that we'll talk about is in your journey of discipleship, of becoming like Jesus, it's actually relatively easy to learn new things. It's way harder to unlearn things that you've learned a long time ago. And I have learned as a pastor that sometimes our worst handling of the Bible comes around how we use or talk about or think about the Old Testament law. And I'll even say... Not, not even all of my Old Testament professors in seminary were created equally on this one. So, I mean, it's tricky. But a lot of times we just, because it's tricky and we don't live in this world of this ancient Near Eastern law, we oversimplify it. But then we, we read through the text and we run into places where this, the oversimplification doesn't work. And then we have these like confusing moments. Wait, I've always thought about it this way, but it doesn't fit here. I was even thinking, I just, I, I, I was thinking about this uh, on, Kami and I were actually talking on our drive home from Ohio yesterday about the story of Mary and Joseph. Because you've got, you've got Joseph who is, by all accounts of the text around the Christmas story, he's a righteous guy. I mean, he has great integrity and he, 
He, he, I mean, it's, he just he's, he follows the law. I mean, he follows the law. And so we're told when he finds out that he's betrothed to Mary and she's pregnant, he, he wrestles. I'm sure he's got all kinds of personal stuff he's wrestling with, family expectations, and, but, but he's wrestling with the law. And his conclusion, I gotta, I gotta end this thing, right? He's probably trying to follow the law. I gotta, I gotta end. Something went wrong. I gotta end this thing quietly to honor her. <laughs> And heaven, in a, in a dream, an angel comes to Joseph and says, ah, oh, that's the wrong conclusion here. <laughs> Let me guide you down a different path. You need to stay with Mary because this is all of God. And I was just even thinking about, like, this is, this is, what, this is, this is where the new covenant becomes something different. This is why, to use language from one of my professors in seminary, the law is good, but it's weak. We have these uncircumcised hearts that prevent us from doing what God wants us to do. And the, the difference with what happens after Jesus is that we get the actual presence of God, the Holy Spirit himself, which the Old Testament will kind of foreshadow as the law being written on our hearts. And so I just want you to, you, we're going to have to wrestle with some of this stuff. I mean, that's for you think it's just lie, just do exactly what it says, and we got to understand some of the context, but you also got to understand when you get in the New Testament, sometimes both laws are kind of like in a situation, well, which one do I choose? Which one do I follow? So it's, it's not always quite as simple as sometimes it's made out to be. I don't think it's going to be crazy tricky if we look for Jesus in the midst of it. We'll get where we need to be, but I want to I lean into that, and I, I want you to be willing to unlearn a few things if you would be so a lot of teaching on Deuteronomy, not as much reading of the story. We'll read more of the story next week. But let me at least read to you the first five verses, and then it'll set us up for a little bit of application here um, before we sing another song and head our ways. But this is how the book begins. These are the words, which um, in Hebrew, that's how, that's how this book is identified. It's known as the words. Deuteronomy means second law, but it's, we'll talk more about that as we get, but it's, it's more of these sermons where, where Moses is trying to, to apply and kind of give commentary on the law. It's not really a second giving of the law. But these are the words Moses spoke to all the people of Israel while they were in the wilderness east of the Jordan River. So again, just to set ourselves up in context, here's a narrator there's a few, and most of it's sermon from Moses, just direct speech from Moses, but there's a few places of narration because obviously Moses is going to die. You can't narrate your own death. So you need a narrator to tell the story. And if you can at least, you can at least understand at this point that the narrator is in the promised land sometime in the future, and the narrator is looking back to when all of Israel was outside the promised land on the east side of the Jordan River. And so that's kind of the context of what is taking place. Uh, they're camped in the Jordan Valley, and you've got a couple of locations there that are always fun to read, so I'll just jump to verse 2. But verse 2 is, verse 2 and verse 3, I think are, this is fantastic. And this is, again, even if you're new to the story, this tells you everything. Uh, and the NLT, I think, here's one place where the NLT really gets it. It says, normally it takes only 11 days to travel from Mount Sinai. Your translation may say Mount Horeb. It's the same mountain, just two different ways of being talked about. 
Normally, it takes only 11 days to travel from Mount Sinai to Kadesh Barnea, going by way of Mount Seir. But 40 years after the Israelites left Egypt, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's as crystal clear as the narrator can get. This trip should have taken 11 days. It took 40 years. So you hear some chuckles. You get, you get it. Like, this is the ultimate in travel frustrations right here. So then it says Moses addressed the people of Israel. And again, why are we going to pay attention to this? Because Moses tells them everything God commanded him to say. So, I mean, it's the, it's the, it's the words of God through Moses. And then he's going to talk about verse 4. And this, we may lean more into these kings next week or we might, I don't know, we can't talk about everything. But, but Moses is going to do a lot of recounting of what has happened from freedom from Egypt and Pharaoh and the parting of the Red Sea to 40 years later now. He's going to remind them of their rebellion and their foolishness and God's faithfulness. Really, God's grace really is where a lot of that comes in. In verse 5, while the Israelites were in the land of Moab east of the Jordan River, Moses carefully explained. He taught, he preached through the Lord's instructions as follows. So that's how the book begins. That's where we're headed. Let me say a few things as it uh, relates to January 1st, 2023. You have the book of Genesis ending. If you were with us back in December, we spent a little time in the book of Genesis. You have the book of Genesis ending with Jacob and his 12 sons outside of the promise. And now we're kind of right at the culmination of this, where, where the descendants are, the, 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 you know, the, the family of Israel. They're, they're just right, they're right outside the promised land, just right on the edge, just on the other side of the river. Um, and they're, it's, it's the next generation. And so in many ways, I, I think Deuteronomy, you could say, is, is exhortations from the edge of the promised and one author said this, these are the last days of desert living before they cross into a new reality. <laughs> now, it could have been 11 days of desert living. It was 40 years. But the last days, of, and maybe some of you, maybe, honestly, maybe even as I say that, those words alone are enough to ignite your heart. I'm ready for the last days of desert living. And I'm ready for a new reality. What does it look like? to enter into the promised land. I I mean, I think I have a little bit of that in me as well. You're sitting on the edge of what is known, life in the desert, and you're being invited into what is unknown, this new life in the promised land. So I thought I'd talk a little bit about us as a church, where are we as we're on the edge of 2022 and 2023, and then a little bit about us as individuals, and then we'll be done. Um, First, as a church, just a little bit of vision casting. If you paid attention to our annual ministry plan, which I know all of you have basically memorized, right? You laughed a little too hard on that one. No, uh, one of the, I think one of the main things that the elders have presented and you voted upon for our annual ministry plan is leaning into community. Um, How do we, I think... I think it's something that our church has always valued, 
I think the technological world that we live in is making community harder. And then the last few years, and you could easily call them desert living, have made community even harder. (laughs) And so how do we really get intentional about the kind of community that leads to life and blessing and flourishing that God intended for humanity? And so we're going to be asking some questions around community this year, and then specifically around small groups. Actually, we're even going to have Marty Voltz. Marty covered for me during sabbatical. Many of you know Marty very well. And Marty raised some really good questions for the elders while I was on sabbatical, just kind of around, okay, Jeff's been here six years now, and you guys have just walked through quite a lot of stuff. The whole world has in the last few years. Who are we as a church, and who are we going to be? So I would imagine in the next few years we'll be asking different important identity questions, but this year we're asking about small groups. What role do small groups play across you? How important are they? And we're just starting out. Marty's going to kind of consult with us. No agenda, just are we happy with where we're at? Is that producing the kind of community that we believe God longs for? Or do we need to make some changes? And so that'll be a year-long, I think, conversation that we'll be having. But I will tell you this, having been home in Ohio, and we were with many people in my extended family, and many people in Kami's extended family. And I just, you know, church comes up. People go to all kinds of different churches. People like to talk church with me because I'm a pastor. They love to pick my brain. I don't mind. But I'll be honest, I heard a few things that were a little disconcerting to me. And I was almost like, do you, do you know you're talking to a pastor right now when you say that? But people that I know have been walking with God these last few years have have changed a little bit of what we think about community and church family and just being church. And so, I mean, as a pastor, I want to fight against some of this. We're not going to get the kind of community that we long for and need unless we are intentional and make some sacrifices and don't base everything around what is comfortable or convenient. So I do think some things have changed in our world, um, but I also think some things haven't changed because I'm, I, list, I listen. And I, I listen to myself when I talk because I'm like, what am I saying? And I listen to other people. And while some things have changed, other things haven't changed. Uh, we are still made in the image of God, and I believe, and I heard this again and again through different people, I believe that we all want to be a part of a community where we are seen and we are known and we are loved and we belong. (laughs) And so I think we got some work to do. And so the question is, are small groups going to play a big part of that? What do we do on Sunday mornings if somebody new comes in? how How do they know that they are seen and they are known and that we want them? They belong here. You, You belong here. We love you. And how do we hold on to, and these tensions will come up in Deuteronomy, how do we hold on to the tensions of come as you are, with all of your brokenness and all of your mess and all of your chaos, you just come. But, so let's be that kind of safe place that you can just come. But, what do we say, but don't stay there. Because none of us are like Jesus. We all want to kind of push each other in loving, boldly loving ways so that we grow in Christ-likeness, because that's 
We'll talk about the will of God. I was going to do that more, but I think I'm running out of time. But we will in Deuteronomy. We'll talk about the will of God because so much of the law has to do with what is the will of God and how do we do the will of God and what does that look like? So I'll end with a story. Uh, well, a story and then a little challenge for New Year's revolu- resolution. But I, I think some of this is, I think it is happening here across you. I just want to see it happen more. I think it's happening in my life. Um, we, we made the big trip to Ohio, visited both grandmas, got home, and our fridge is empty. And so Kami had done some work on the drive home, and she's got these coupons. And so I go off to Meijer to go shopping yesterday. And, I'm, and usually when I go grocery shopping, I'm like, my mentality is I got to get in and get out. And, and, and I've got like, I got to think too. I can't be mindless because I got to buy this much stuff so that the coupon works. And if I don't, Kami will be like, why didn't you use the coupon? And so I'm like thinking and I'm locked in and I'm not paying attention to anything around me. And all of a sudden another cart pulls up next to me and I turn around and it's Abby Lanting and her son, Jared. And so we just chatted for longer than I normally talk at a grocery store. And it was wonderful. And I walked away in my soul, like I, let me say it this way. You know, I grew up most of my life in Ohio. <laughs> and we come back to Illinois where none of our family lives. And I go to Meyer, and I see Abby and Jared and I say, I'm home. <laughs> because I see Abby and, I mean, like I have, I'm just, I, I won't speak for her, but I'll speak for me. The Lanting family has been our friends for a long time and we love them and they love us. And there's things I want, because I know they're, what's going on in their life because we don't have this surface relationship. And so I like want to hear, how was your week? But I also want her to hear how my week was. And as a good sister in Christ, she shares with me and then she asks me and we talked for, I think we blocked up the carrots and celery. I think people had to go around. But I walked away. It was just this normal occurrence, but I'm like, oh, something's happening. I mean, I, I mean it, it takes some time. If you're new, it takes some time. You've got to endure a little bit. You've got to put yourself in Sunday school. You've got to be here around other people. Come to form. Get in a small group. You've got, it's going to take some sacrifice, some rearranging. You're going to have those nights where the last thing you want to do is go to small group. And then you go and you're like, why did I ever think I didn't want to go? Because that was the best thing. I had that all the time. I don't want to leave my house. I'm so glad I went. But we've got, we've got to be willing to do these things if we're going to have that kind of community. We're sitting on the edge of 2023. 2023. What are we going to be as Crossview? And then finally, I just want to challenge you. Um, I'll close with this. I'll just close in prayer because I've already gone longer than I planned. I'll just bow your heads. And I want to pray in to New Year's resolutions, but New Year's resolutions Jesus style. We want to redeem some stuff, right? Jesus is always saving stuff. So if you'll pray with me, what I want, I just want to pray a little prayer of surrender and commitment on January 1st. So Jesus, here's what we want to do. We want to confess that we get ourselves in the same mess as Israel because we want to be in control and even as every year rolls around and, and we make these resolutions, we confess that these resolutions are always about changing behaviors on our surface, <laughs> and they're fueled by our willpower, which is why they don't last very long. And so rather than making 
behavioral change resolutions this morning, Jesus, what we're going to do is confess that we cannot change our hearts on our own. (laughs) Actually, that the will of God is not so much about what we're doing, but who we're becoming. And so we surrender. That's our resolution this morning on January 1st, 2023. We resolve to surrender to you. And what we're going to ask for, and we're not asking for it right now, actually. This is not an immediate gratification prayer. But we are going to ask for some wisdom. And we are going to ask for some humility. And as we go through Deuteronomy and you challenge us to obey, which as Americans is one of the last words we want to hear, we ask that we would have the faith to trust you, the wisdom to see the brilliance of your commands, and the humility to obey and follow you through the Jordan River and into the promised land of life. Amen.